गुड मॉर्निंग एवरीबॉडी आई संगदा शर्मा आई एम गोइंग टू प्रेजेंट द हिंदू एडिटोरियल डेट एट फिफ्थ जुलाई टू दिस पॉडकास्ट इज फॉर दोज हु डू नॉट हैव टाइम टू रीड न्यूज़पेपर पेपर द एनालिसिस ऑफ द एडिटोरियल इज गिवन ऑन द लास्ट सेगमेंट ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड हैप्पी प्रिपरेशन the problem now with the military synergy plan the indian military must note that consultative strategizing is a prerequisite before a concrete structure is put in place this article is written by harish masand it is indisputable that the indian military continues to work in syn- silos like all government agencies in india and need was rightly felt and this uh, this re- direction issued by prime minister narendra modi to bring about a jointness leaving the task of the first of chief of defense staff of india it is also indisputable that the aim is to bring about a synergy in operations while economizing economizing through the elimination of duplication and wasteful practices or processes at the outset it also needs to be clearly stated that contrary to the recent media reports debates and some opinions the indian air force is not playing dog in the manager and resisting the formation of theater functional commands with my 40 years in the uniform as i understood the doctrine and philosophy of the iaf it is keen to bring in the requisite reforms to improve the war fighting capabilities of the indian military as a whole while economizing nuances of air power the statement that the iaf wants to fight its own private war thus comes from people who do not understand the nuances and capabilities of air power and lack the expertise in its effective utilization in the current formulation of theaters the objections from the iaf have essentially been due to air power being seen as an adjunct to the two surface forces the indian army and the indian navy and being divided into penny, penny packets which would seriously disgrade the effectiveness of air operations in any future conflict or contingency it is better that such objection and dissenting opinions come out now before the structure is formalized than once it is set in stone and use of air power is found to be suboptimal under the military thoughts of an order is an order we must remember that in war there is no price for the runner up the nation would then end up paying a heavy price with the air force carrying the burden and blame for the failures political objectives if a war is a continuation of politics by other means then it is essential to first define the political objectives of flowing into a national security strategy before any effective use of force can be truly contemplated the failures of the mightiest militaries in vietnam afghanistan and even our own indian misadventures in sri lanka bear testimony to the lack of clear political objectives and appropriate military strategies it is therefore unfortunate that even after over 7 decades after independence india still does not have a clearly articulated national security strategy only such a strategy can define the types of contingency the military is expected to address leading to appropriate military strategies doctrines and required capabilities that would define the structures required for the conduct of synergized operations with the requisite communications and training requirements 
Concurrently, such an intellectual exercise would identify duplication, wasteful resources, and practices. This is what the CDS should have been pressurizing before first freezing the structure and then trying to glue the pieces together or hammer square pegs in round holes. As argued elsewhere earlier, such an exercise may well result in identifying air power as a lead element, particularly since the Indian political aim, even in the foreseeable future, is unlikely to be occupation of new territories. A large, manpower-intensive army with unusual armor formations would then also come into focus. Even the proposed air defense command conflicts with the domain commands and seamless employment of air power. It is due to the absence of such an intellectual exercise that the IAF does not wish to see its limited resource frittered away in fighting frontal defensive battles by a land force commander with little expertise in employment of air power. The army fails to realize that offensive air power is best not seen. Busy keeping the enemy air force pinned down elsewhere while giving all surface forces a freedom to maneuver and operate with impunity as shown in 1971. The Army Air Force said, historically, the Indian Army has always kept the IAF out of the information loop and demonstrated a penchant to go it alone. The charge that the IAF joined the party late during Kargil 1999 is also totally baseless and shows a lack of knowledge of events and a failure to learn from historical facts. Recorded facts and dispassionate views would clearly show that the IAF began conducting reconnaissance missions on May 10 as soon as the Indian Army just made a request for attacking helicopters without sharing full information. It is also surprising that a request for a photo reconnaissance of the entire area was not made to first gather essential intelligence on what the army was facing before launching foot patrols which were mostly ambushed with unnecessary casualties instead of asking for armed helicopters. This despite the IAF pointing out the unsuitability of armed helicopters at these altitudes, their vulnerability. The use of offensive air power close to the LOC also required that the political leadership be kept informed due to possibilities of escalation, something that the army was unwilling to do. Even the chief of army staff, COAS, initially threatened to go it alone on his return for, from his visit abroad. As for Salos, the COAS him, himself admitted later that information was not shared even between the Director General of Military Operation and the Director General of Military Intelligence DGM or DGMI within Army Headquarters, much less than with the IAF. All this was despite the fact that the defense program post-1962 was based on the assumption that China posed a major threat and that the IAF may be made capable of, capable of assuming some of the Army's deterrence capability. Echoes from Kargil Seen in the light, Chinese incursion into eastern Ladakh last year is reminiscent of Kargil. While the response has been swift, it is evident that a clear intent to use combat air power as against 1962 has significantly contributed in deterring China. However, such intent in a joint strategy would have been forcefully signaled by the presence of Air Force representatives in the ongoing negotiations. To restore status quo ante, the continuing build-up of the infrastructure for the Chinese People's Liberation Army Force, Army Air Force (PLAAF) in Tibet further emphasizes the need of an air-land strategy with air power as a lead element to deter or defeat the Chinese designed at coercion. 
address the structural gaps finally theater or any lower structure requires an institutionalized higher defense organization which has been sadly missing since the defense committee of the cabinet became defunct in the 1950s leading to little uh, regular dialogue between the political and military leadership except in crisis resulting in a knee jerk responses this led to a remark from a scholar warrior that it is ironic that the cabinet has an accommodation committee but not a defense committee in the current proposal it appears that the cds as the permanent chairman of the chief of staff committee cosc would also exercise operational contra- control of the theater of functional commands a move that is unlikely to be palatable to the political bureaucratic leadership and which has perhaps called for further deliberations prudence demands that instead of ramming down such structures without adequate deliberations and discussion with all the stakeholders we first evolve appropriate military strategies in a nuclear backdrop in concert with the political objectives Thereafter joint planning and training for all foreseen contingencies with war gaming would automatically indicate the required structures with suitable command control and communication How Chhattisgarh has stalled a historic judgment The Salwa Judum judgment was delivered 10 years ago but nothing has been done to implement it. This article is written by Nandini Sundar. 10 years ago on July 5, 2011, Justice B Sudarshan Reddy and S Nijer delivered a historic judgment banning Salwa Judum a vigilante movement started in 2005 and sponsored by Chhattisgarh and central government ostensibly to fight against the maoists the judges also ruled that use of surrendered maoists and untrained villagers in frontline counterinsurgency operations as spos was unconstitutional it is directed that the existing spos be re- redeployed in traffic management or other such safe securities other matters especially prosecution of security forces and other involved in human rights violation and rehabilitation of villagers who had suffered violence were left pending since the state had been asked to submit comprehensive plans for this 10 years on nothing has been done to implement the judgment instead the state government has merely renamed the spos they are now known as the district reserve guard conservation conversations with drg members have revealed that the most of them are captured or surrendered maoists and are given automatic automatic weaponry as soon as they join the police force some of them get one three months of training one to three months of training and some not even that they commit the most excess against their former fellow villagers suffer the most casualties in any operation and are paid much less than the regular constabulary all the reasons that this had outlawed their use a contempt petition filed in 2012 is still awaiting hearing although final hearing commenced in december 2018 before another bench of justice madan lokur and justice deepak gupta the judges retired soon thereafter and there has been no hearing since new struggles much has happened on the ground since then at its peak between 2005 and 2007 the judum involved forcing villagers into government 
controlled camps those who refused were punished by having their villages burned hundreds of people were recorded as encounters villages villagers fled to neighboring states or into the forests around their villages sangham members active but unarmed maoist sympathizers were either jailed or compelled to join the security forces as spos today the judum camps are virtually empty with only the former spos and the families remaining in now permanent houses villagers split between those who went to the camp and those who went to the forest are now reconciled people have come back and started cultivation an entire generation has grown up and as we can see in the movement against the crpf central reserve police force camp and silgar have embarked on new struggles across the regions villagers are demanding schools and health centers instead what they have got in abundance are crpf camps these have come up at intervals of less than 5 kilometers and roads are being bulldozed through what were once dense forest the only supreme court directions to have been implemented since 2007 when the case began was that the security forces vacate the schools where they were camped but that is because with with its own larger takeover of public land and private fields the crpf no longer has any use for these ruins structures villages have tried out all the tools of getting justice but failed the re- residents of tadmetla and timapuram and morpalli whose villages were burned by the security forces in 2011 traveled hundreds of kilometers to give evidence before the central bureau of investigation which found in their favor and filed a charge sheet against some spos in a rare moment the national human rights commission castigated the government for violations in village Kondaswali in a case filed by lawyer Sudha Bharadwaj. The villagers of Sarke Gudda, where 17 innocent people, including children, had been shot dead in one night in June 2012, showed great courage and persistence in disposing before a judicial inquiry commission. But, but in all these cases, where the government and security forces have been indicted by independent inquiries, no steps have been taken to prosecute the, those responsible. T.R. Adya Rujina and Ashok Desai, the lawyers who argued for the villagers pro bono in the Supreme Court, have passed away. And Justice Nijar too, Mr. Ms. Bharajwaj has been in jail since 2018 on contested charges. Along with five others, I have survived a false charge of murder, murder leveled by the police and even been compensated by the NHRC for the mental trauma undergone, though our case is an exception. Podium Panda, former CPI activist who supported the Tadmila villages to demand justice, was arrested, allegedly tortured and is now a police informer. The Maoists will not let him or his wife the former Sarpanch of Chintagufa returned to the village, even though all the people in Chintagufa and neighboring villages want them back. Promises not kept. In 2014, a BJP government replaced the 10-year-old Congress government at the center. In 2018, a Congress government replaced a 15-year-old BJP government in Chhattisgarh. Mahindra Karma, the Adivasi face of a violent movement jointly run by the BJP and Congress was killed by the Maoist in 2013. The medical college hospital in Dimrapal is now named after him. SRP Kalluri, a Bastar Inspector General of Police, was accused of many human rights violations. He was moved out of Bastar but never prosecuted despite being named in an internal report by the CBI for burning Tadmetla. 
when contesting the elections in 2018 the congress promised to do something about the thousands of innocent villagers who were arrested and massacred by the police as suspected maoists and spent long years in jail before being acquitted for these villagers meeting their families is difficult and hiring lawyers have uh, ha- and hiring lawyers dreams drains their meagre resources even as few dedicated human rights lawyers have tried to help the scale of arrest is massive yet the government's resolve in freeing prisoners even during covid-19 is in stark contrast to its resolve in setting up security camps and arresting more people deaths and encounters between jawans and maoists periodically hit the national headlines but extrajudicial killings of villagers and maoists and killing of suspected informer by maoists continue at a steady pace rarely hitting any high publicity note an estimate given to the press on june 28 and at sarke guda claimed 187 deaths and fake encounters between 2015 and 2021 another promise made by the congress providing protection to journalists also lies in shreds the difficulties faced by activists of chatisgarh bachao andolan and cpi in reaching silkar and sarke guda show how the bjp's tactics continue the villages were told that covid 19 restrictions meant they could not mourn the victims on the anniversary of the sarke guda massacre but a day later the administration laid out a red carpet and large crowds to welcome congress mla kwasi lakma unless both sides get serious about peace talks another 10 years will pass the 2011 supreme court judgment will be rendered even more meaningless as will the idea of justice or the rule of law ever being possible in this land in this time nandini sundar professor of sociology delhi school of economics is one of the petitioners in the salva judum case